Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 121. This Sunday, we will begin a series which is called the Song of Ascents. And it includes Psalm 120 to 134. And uh, this is This collection of songs is a good song to uh, memorize. Okay? So if you are getting bored or you have nothing maybe to do, you know, just memorize Psalm 120 to 134. So are you there already, Psalm 121? So David said, or uh, the, the songwriter said, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot to sleep. He will not slumber. Behold, the keeper of Israel does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will protect your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Where do we seek help when we are in trouble? The opening statement of our psalm says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come from? Why the mountains? Well, some scholars are saying because the mountains are impregnable. They are solid. That's why many nations will start their civilization on top of mountains. Well, maybe there is another reason. Do you know Mount Olympus? <laughs> Mount Olympus is the highest mountain in Greece. It has 52 uh, slopes. And the highest of all the slopes is where the ancient uh, Greek writers believe that the gods are living. So when you are in trouble, you lift up your eyes to the gods. John Calvin has another perspective. He is saying, you know, the mountains symbolize those things that are attractive, those things that are, you know, worthy of human pursuit. And we fix our eyes on them. However, our writer has a specific perspective. He said in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. And he defined who this Lord is, the maker of heaven and earth. Why the Lord? Why will the psalmist and the prophets put their hope, put their trust in this Lord? In Isaiah 41, verse 10, the Lord said, Do not fear, I am with you. Do not anxiously look around you. Because when we are in trouble, you know, our eyes are roaming around, looking for sources of help that can alleviate our pains or our troubles. But God is saying, Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And then an adverb is used twice in this uh, verse. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, in this culture, people will always say, maybe, siguro, baka. But this Lord is saying to us, 
that His help is sure for His people. As I said, the danger when we are in trouble is to look for the wrong sources of help. The Apostle Paul highlighted this in Romans chapter 1, beginning from verse 20 and following. Paul said, since the creation of the world, his invisible nature attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, we can clearly see them from the things that he has made. But the problem is, even though people know there is God, they do not honor him, nor even give thanks to him. And you know what happened? Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. An image. In the form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. You know, in the ancient world, some gods look like half human and half animals. In Egypt, many of their gods were animals. Why is that? Why are people inclined to worship rather than the incorruptible God. So that's one problem. Another problem, and these Filipinos are very prone, is found in 115 Psalm. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? Why are people wanting to look and to find where God is. Our God is in the heavens, said the psalmist. And you know what? He is sovereign. He does whatever he pleases. But their idols are silver and gold. The work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. You know, when there is a big fire in Metro Manila, they cannot even help. You have to carry them so that they will not be consumed by the fire. Yet after the fire, after the problem, people still pray to them and bow down to them. You know what Paul called that? Professing to be wise, men have become fools. So this psalm is declaring emphatically, O Israel, trust in the Lord, not in idols. The Lord is their help, and He is their shield. Okay, Pastor Nomer, what helps does this Lord give to his people? There is a beautiful psalm that lists, lists down the helps that God gives to his people. It is found in Psalm 146, verse 5 to 10. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God. And look at the Affirmation again, who made heaven and earth. And this time he included another dimension, the sea and all that is in them. Nowadays, Aquaman has become popular. He is the half God and half man. You know, we are really inclined to, in our imagination, to create a God that looks like us, who thinks likes us, but has the supernatural power. Now this Lord, this God of Jacob, he keeps faith forever. What he promised, 
He does. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets free the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widows. He thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. So here, the psalmist will rally the faith of Israel to look up to that God who created the heavens and the earth because he provides all the helps. And then from verse 3 up to verse 8 of Psalm 121, the psalmist now will focus, will zero in on a particular help that God is committed to give his people. It is also found in verse 9 of Psalm 146. The Lord protects. But here in Psalm 121, the new English translation is accurate. Because in some of our translation, translators, the editors translated one word which is repeated six times into different words. The word shamar, protect, guard, watch over, has been translated in NIV and in other translations as watch over, guard, keep, protect. But this is the proper translation. He will not allow your foot to sleep. He who protects you will not slumber. He who protects Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your protector. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will protect your soul. The Lord will protect your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In our desire to be uh, content, to be contemporary in our translation, sometimes we lose the theme of the writer. Here the theme is protection, mentioned six times, and if you include shade, it's a synonymous of protection, it will be seven times. Now what kind of uh, protection does God give to his people? How does God protect me? In verse 3 and 4, the writer said, He will not allow your foot to sleep because He is the God who will provide you with a continuous protection. You know, when you are a company owner or you are a building owner, you will hire bodyguards or guards. How many will you hire? Ideally three because they have eight-hour shifts. But many will only have two. They will serve 12-hour shift with eight-hour pay. That is what is happening now even in Metro Manila. And sometimes when you look at the guards, they are wearing dark eyeglasses, reading newspapers, but actually they are sleeping. But there is a God, the Lord himself, who does not take a nap. The concept of slumber is a short sleep. He does not sleep shortly nor lengthily. Can you imagine there is a God who is taking care of us even while we are asleep? Many people think that when we are asleep, God is also sleeping. Well, if that happens with a change of time zone, there will be times that when God is sleeping, <laughs> he is awake on the other side. That cannot be. <laughs> so God is awake all the time, continuously, unceasingly, protecting his people. And then the writer moved in verse 5 to 6 to a constant protection. 
The Lord is your protector. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. This time, it focuses on change of time and circumstance. You know, in the Middle East countries, particularly Israel, especially when you are in the high places, during daytime, it can really be hot. You will not see me in Israel June, July, August, September, those four months. Why is that? It's too hot. The temperature will be like 35 to 45 degrees centigrade. <clears throat> but, but, during the evening time, even if it is hot in the daytime, it can be cold. Unlike in the Philippines, when it is hot during daytime, it's still warm in the nighttime. <laughs> but in the desert setting, that's not the case. So you have two problems. On the daytime, you may have a heat stroke. You may be dehydrated. But in the evening, you will feel cold. So you have to really protect yourself. You really need to know how to dress up. Or else you will be in big trouble. But can you imagine there is a God who takes care of you at any time in a day, in any situation. His protection is constant. I like this um, psalm. I like this. Uh, it's also a poem from Prophet Isaiah, chapter 27, verse 2 and 3. In this Verse, verse 3, the writer will use another Hebrew word for protect. And it's the Hebrew word, natsar. Does that sound familiar? Natsar? And I believe that's where the word natsaret comes from. It means also to watch, to guard, to protect. In that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its protector. And look at how the Lord protects. I water it moment by moment. And so that no one will damage it, I protect it night and day. So the Lord is watching <clears throat> his people day and night. Providing what they need moment by moment. Israel is always presented in the Old Testament as a vineyard. And vineyards need water. They also need much sunshine. And the Lord is able to provide for that. It's a constant protection. You know, the best image in my mind of constant protection is when Israel had to travel through the wilderness. At nighttime, there is a pillar of fire when it can be cold. And at daytime, there is a pillar of cloud that is covering them against the heat of the sun. And this cloud on the daytime and on the nighttime were with God's people every day for 40 years. Wow. Every day for 40 years. The third description of God's protection is found in 7 and 8. The Lord will protect you from all evil. The Hebrew word ra, yes, can mean evil, morally, or it can be translated disaster or calamities, like tsunami, like 
flood, like earthquake. So the Lord will protect you from all calamities. He will keep your soul intact. Remember Psalm 23? He restores my soul. When it gets broken, when it gets, you know, pressured, there is a shepherd who can restore your soul. And look at verse 8. The Lord will protect your going out and your return. And what happens in between? You know, when I look at my schedule this year, I will travel, you know, seven times abroad this year. And in my late, most recent travel, I will go to Nashville and I have to fly three times <laughs> from Manila to Narita, from Narita to Detroit, and then from Detroit to Nashville. And every time you take the plane. And sometimes I have this crazy habit of going to the back of the plane. And then I will open the, you know, the glass to see the clouds. <laughs> and then I always say, <laughs> if this plane crashes, my wife will not even find me. <laughs> Gross, or no? Gross. And then I will quote this. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to protect my going out and my coming in and what happens in between. And then another phrase, from this time forth and forever. So the Lord will protect you from now to eternity and in between. I think in uh, figures of speech, it is called merismus, mentioning the two extremes, but that includes what is in between. So God provides us not only continuous protection, constant protection, but a complete protection. Now the question is, if the Lord protects us that way, does it mean we will no longer have troubles? How come, Pastor, I just had an accident last month? How come, Pastor, I got hospitalized last week? How come, Pastor, your brother who had cancer died last March? Does that mean the writer lied to us? Because from the way we look at it, God did not protect us because we experienced those troubles. Well, from our perspectives, God seemingly did not protect us. God seemingly did not protect my brother. But are our perspectives right? Look at Psalm 91 verse 14. This is another long psalm that highlights God's protection. But in the last three verses of this psalm, you will find the explanation. Because he has loved me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Look at verse 15. He will call upon me and I will, what? Answer him. But he did not answer our prayers. No, no. Look at the next statement. I will be with him in trouble. In the world you have tribulation, but rejoice, said Jesus, because I have overcome the world, and you will overcome the world as well. I have not been in a dying experience situation, and I 
do not imagine yet how I will feel when I am there. But seeing my brother in his last hour, I had the comfort that I will overcome like him even the last enemy called death. You know, death can make even the most courageous person scared. But there, in the deathbed, and for the three years that has passed, I have not seen my brother panic. And the last words I will remember him saying was, Kuya, let's pray. Let's pray. I really understood what that three-letter word in cemetery means. Rest in peace. From that situation. And from March, early this year till now, my brother is not suffering. He is enjoying. Remember Psalm 16, 11? You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We still struggle with our physical inconveniences. But my brother is already enjoying the Lord's presence and is oblivious already about the traffic problem, the heat problem, and other problems in Metro Manila. I will be with him in trouble. And I will rescue him and I will honor him. You know, when Job lost all his animals, livestock, did not God protect him? When Job lost all his children, did not God protect him? When Job lost his health, did not God protect him? Where is God? Was he sleeping during those times? Job wrote in Job 23, verse 8 to 10, Behold, I go to the right, you're not there. Go to the left, you're not there. People say you're up there, but I don't see you. But you know the way that I take. When you have tried me, I shall comfort us gold. So Job saw his circumstances not as evil or disasters per se, but he looked at them as trials. And that God is in charge of those trials. And at the end of those trials, God will rescue him and honor him. And that's what happened. The livestock he lost, he had doubled. He had again the same number of children. And there is even a bonus. All, her, all his daughters were more beautiful than the daughters of any man during those times. Job was well. But pastor, I still don't understand God's protection. Why will he need to give me those trials? Those troubles? Wouldn't it be great if you can be a lawyer without the board exam? Wouldn't it be great if you can be a doctor without taking the board exam? Wouldn't it be great if you are an accountant and you don't have to take accountancy board exam? 
Why do you have to take those? Are those boards simply cruel? No. Those seeming trials, if you fail, you don't call them trials. You call them disasters. <laughs> but if you pass, if you make it, you call them certification uh, guarantee. That now, you know, you are not a perfect doctor, but your patients will know that you had been there. You know what you're doing. When you pass the law exam, your client will somehow know here is a guy who knows the law and who can defend me before the judge. So trials, disasters, tribulations may be tough, but God will only allow his people to go through it when it is necessary. When it is necessary. You know, in this pulpit, we always give the ironic benediction. And in the first part of the benediction, it says, May the Lord bless you and our translation is keep you. But that's a Hebrew word shamar. It means protect you. May the Lord face shine upon you. But the better translation, the modern, is may the Lord smile on you. And then be gracious can be translated and bless you. And may the Lord show you his face or his favor and give you wholeness of blessings or peace. You know, when you go through trials, when you go through disasters, look at the promise given by Isaiah. No weapon formed against you shall, shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Meaning, yes, you will have battles. David was not spared of battles. But in all those battles, David won. David won. Joshua had many battles. His people lost only once. But all the battles, Joshua won. Why? Because the Lord is protecting his people. Pastor, that's in the New Testament, in Old Testament. What about the New Testament? How much better? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we will obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and defiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven. Okay, pastor, I believe that. But what happens from now till the time I get my inheritance? Look at verse 5. Yes, you will have to go through the journey, through the pilgrimage, but in that pilgrimage, you are protected by the power of God himself. And that we need to believe. Who are protected by the power of God through faith. So let's put this thing together. And I look for a passage that summarizes Psalm 121. And here, the prophet is giving a subtle message. You have problems and you don't believe in God? Okay, look up the sky. Look at the earth beneath. The sky will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like garment. And if you are trusting people, even people will die in like manner. But the Lord's salvation is forever. Wow. And his vindication, his righteousness will not decline. So when we are in trouble, where we look up to will determine 
your destiny. If you are in trouble and you hold on to the knife, then you will be hurt. If you are in trouble and you run to 5-6, you will hurt yourself. But when you are in trouble and you lift your eyes to God, who is enthroned in the heavens, He will give you His continuous, constant, and complete protection. Pastor, what has this psalm got to do with Jesus? A lot. A lot. In the only long prayer recorded in the Bible, prayed by Jesus, the summary is a prayer for God to protect the followers of Jesus. In many sermons in John 17, the highlight is unity. But here I showed you that the highlight is protection. And unity is a means whereby his people are protected. When we are united, we are protected. When we are divided, then our church and our kingdom will be destroyed. And look at how Jesus prayed for us while he was on earth. He was already giving his parting words. I will remain in the world no longer but they, my followers, are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. Protect them by the power of your name. And what is the name? The name you gave me. So that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. I have given them your word. Verse 15, my prayer is not, is not that you take them out of the world, but while they are in the world, Father, protect them from the evil one. So that was the concern of Jesus for Peter, for James, for John. He wants us to be protected. Why? Because we have an enemy that is stronger than us. He is called the prince of the power of the air. It's amazing that Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for his disciples who will later betray him, who will later deny him, who will later scatter. His apostle John wrote, we know we are from God, yes. But the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So the system of the world, the default mode of the world, is not godly. The system of the world is controlled by the evil one. And many people even don't believe now that there is an evil one. We read in Romans 8.34, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. And he did not only die, he was raised up. And he did not only rise from the dead, he is seated at the right hand of God. And what is he doing there? He is interceding for you and me. He is the best intercessor because he died for us. He rose from the grave for us. And we dare ask somebody else to pray in our behalf? Why cannot we be content that Jesus will appear before the throne of God in our behalf? Why do we have to call other people, other names? Our culture needs to understand Romans 8.34. 
there is a powerful intercessor for the Filipino people, for you and me. Because He died for us. And He rose from the grave for us. Those people have not risen from the grave yet. And yet we pray in their names. No wonder our country is messed up. Because we call the name of Christ, we call ourselves Christians, but we do not appropriate who He is indeed for us. And look at the beauty when Jesus prayed for us. In Luke 22, 31 to 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked. Can you imagine Satan is even asking permission? Even in Job, he cannot hurt Job without being permitted by God. So Satan is not omnipotent. Simon, Simon, Satan asked to sift all of you as a wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you have turned back, strengthen others. Can you imagine there is a God who do not only protect us during daytime or nighttime? There is a God who protects us even before we fall, even before we sinned, even before that problem came to us. God knew already. And why did he let that problem come to me? Because he had a purpose. And the purpose for Peter, kasi medyo mayabang siya, is when he has fallen, then he can also raise up others. If he is loved despite his failure, then Peter can love others as well who have fallen. It was Peter who wrote, let your love be earnest towards each other, for love covers multitudes of sins. He will not be able to write that without having experienced that. So Jesus is interceding for you, for me. He is protecting us from the evil one. As a matter of fact, many of us already were in the verge of sinning, falling into temptation, but something will happen. I experienced that many times. There is a God who constantly, continuously, and completely is protecting us. But he is not only praying for us, literally he is protecting us. 1 John 5.18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not continue on sinning. The difference between a Christian and somebody who is not a Christian is both are sinners. Whereas the non-Christian is continually sinning the Christian is thinking twice, thrice, four times before sinning. By the way, the old translation is fearful. The old translation says, we know everyone who has been born of God does not sin. That's why when you sin, people say, you're not really born again. It's good that the new translations are highlighting the essence of the Greek. Everyone who has been born of God does not go on sinning. Before you are born again, maybe you are sinning five times a day. Now that you are born again, maybe five times a month. <laughs> and then later, five times a year. And then later... You know, that's Christian life. You still sin, you just still go through, but less and less. Christians are not sinless. We only sin less and less and less. But that's not our sermon. Look at the next statement. <laughs> but, but, he who was born of God, and that refers to Jesus, he who was the only begotten Son of God protects him, the Christian. And you know what? 
because of his protection, the evil one does not. Wow. The evil one does not touch me. Okay? So when you are walking in a dark alley and your companions will say to the dark alley, Makikiraan po! <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can just say, I'm a child of God. Get out of my way. Wow! Wow! Kaya lang, wag mo salasing sasabihin yun, ha? Baka ka masaksak. <laughs> sasabihin mo lang yun sa demonyo. This is beautiful. He who was born of God protects us. And the evil one does not touch us. But pastor, what if, you know, in the last days, if it is true, there will be one world government, there will be the Antichrist, will I still be protected? Yes. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and he will protect you from the evil one. So the Bible is consistent. Yes, you can go to trials, you can go to troubles, but there is the faithful God who is committed to strengthen you, who is committed to protect you so that you will overcome. Now let me end with uh, two powerful verses. So the Lord Jesus prays for us, the Lord Jesus protects us, and God himself will protect us for Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hindi ko kaya yon. Continue, verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You only need to participate. You only need to cooperate with God and God will protect you. God will keep you blameless. Really? Pastor, really? Let me end with this promise in Philippians 1, verse 6. <clears throat> How did Paul start the verse? Being, being confident. You know, my dear brethren in Breadcom, our faith should make us confident people. Not panicky, scary, worrisome, but confident. Confident of what? Paul said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry through that good work to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You and I are work in progress. We have not reached there yet. But as we follow Jesus, as we follow his word, as we follow the prompting of his spirit, we are getting shaped, formed into a mighty warrior that Satan himself will be scared to fight. If we are not serious with Jesus, Satan and his demons will just dance with us. But when we are serious with Jesus, Satan and his demons will be scared. Why? Because they will see, they know that we are being shaped day by day into the likeness of Jesus and one day 
we will all face Jesus and rejoice at his coming. Like Paul, we will all finish our race. You know, sometimes, really? I can? Well, by yourself, cannot. But with Jesus, I can do all things because of him who will give me the strength. Let us pray. Our God, thank you that you know us so well that we are creatures with flesh and blood. Creatures that have anxieties, that gets fearful or scared. Creatures of weakness. And yet you loved us. And today we have learned from Psalm 121, you are not only committed to help us, you are committed to protect us. And for that, we are grateful, Lord Jesus. Oh God, I pray for those of us here who are always traveling, who are always confronted with temptations in the workplace. Lord, would you always hold our hands, always guide our minds, that we don't forget that you have made us precious people. You have designed our lives to be victorious. Oh Lord, we pray for your people, especially in Breadcom, who are always anxious, who are always scared, who are depressed. We pray, Lord, that they will learn this joyful assurance that it is well with our souls, that it is okay to face trials because trials will make us better people. And in the end of those trials, there will be glorious victories. Lord, thank you for your continuous, constant, and complete protection. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus who has been protecting us until today. In his name we pray. Amen.